0: Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one. Clear. All engines running. Liftoff.
1: We have a liftoff. All right. Welcome to the Launchpad Podcast. I'm Aaron. I'm Matt. And Matt, we got back from San Diego Comic-Con 2019. Did you have a good time, Remy?
2: Yeah, it was good. This is the first year that I didn't go for four days. I only went for two days. You, Sucker, You were there. Did you actually go to the con all four or did you only do three?
1: I didn't go Sunday. I was tired and wanted to go drink at an airport.
2: <laughs> you know, like nerds do. Yeah. It was good. It it For me, it was a little bit rushed and I didn't have a lot of time to like nerd out myself, which was probably good because I should not be spending money. But We did a lot of cool stuff. We saw some great shit. We had some fucking interesting hotel adventures with room
1: uh, 555. Oh my God. Should we (laughs) explain? Should we just tell them right now what happened? Yeah. So it's like three in the morning, and this drunk chick is screaming, Come up to room
0: 555. You're an asshole. You're a terrible boyfriend. I'm an asshole.
1: It was this year's version of "Really, we're going to do this now," but it's like it's like where that conversation progressed to the
3: "You're an asshole.
1: You're the worst boyfriend." She's just screaming her brains out, and Rumi's like, "I'm going to get up and say something to her," and I'm like, "No, dude, there's nothing you can say to this woman yeah, so that's not going to end with her throwing a
2: shoe at you." In our room, we're at the Best Western. It's me, Rumi, and cousin Mike, and cousin Mike. When he goes to sleep, he is out and he saws wood like a motherfucker. So it's so loud to the point where I woke him up by like wiggling his leg once. But like I wiggled his leg for 30 minutes being like, Mike, Mike. So he's out. Drunk girl's not (laughs) bothering him. But me and Rumi are up and like we're I'm like, I'm going to go say something. Rumi's like, no, there's no way that you, you confronting a drunk chick ends better. And I was like, well, this is fucking stupid. She's and every once in a while she'll calm down like she goes quiet for like a minute or two. And then you lay back down and you think it's time to go to sleep and that she's not yelling again. And then she's yelling. I don't know who she was yelling. I don't know. I'm guessing she was on the phone. But she was like, come up. I'm up here. And then she'd bang on the door for a second and then stop. It was just so friggin' loud. And I got up. I went to the door. I was about to unlock it. And it was silent. And me and Rumi waited there with bated breath looking at each other. <laughs> because we had a big day of interviewing and nerding out to do the next day. So we needed our beauty sleep. Cause yeah, we're man. Hands- we were cosplaying as handsome boys again. So we're waiting <laughs> and nothing happened. So we got, I got back in my bed and we were like, okay, good.
1: But then, fucking asshole, come up to 555. To be clear, we're in room 554. So we're right next to this lady screaming. So I call, I'm like, I got to, we got to do something. And I'm like, I don't want to call the cops because then they're going to knock on our door and be like, excuse me, sir, tell me what you saw. And I wouldn't have none of that. So, I called the front desk, and I was like, the chick outside in 555 is going bananas. And they were like, That's what
2: he said. But he didn't say it goofy like that. He said it like a crotchety old man. Uh, I just want to let you know there's a woman outside of 555, and she is just going bananas.
1: <laughs> just unimpressed with my word bananas. And they were like, yes, sir, we will uh, call her room. I'm like, calling her isn't going to do anything. First of all, she's outside. Yeah. She won't hear the phone. She's already on the phone. (laughs) What if she was on the room phone? Like the cord stretching all the way out into the balcony, just screaming. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. That was probably the low point of the con. Nobody farted on us. Um, the, (laughs) The panels we went to were pretty good. Although you have started to make a custom
2: action figure. And I think if you do well with it you need to go back to that terrible panel about customizing action figures and uh, enter that contest. Guys, if you have not heard our previous couple years of uh, San Diego Comic-Con content, it's definitely worth listening to. I mean, we obviously think we're very funny, but we've got some uh, really funny adventures. We do some great interviews. Someone farts on us, and we immediately start (laughs) recording right after.
1: (laughs) Oh my god, uh, Nichelle Nichols sings a song about pudding. <laughs> oh, yeah,
2: that's uh, Aurora from uh, Star Trek. It's yeah, if you haven't heard I mean? these guys, go check it out.
1: You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think this year went great, there were good panels. Um, yeah, the toy you mentioned. So, I love collecting toys and NECA toys, all sorts of badass toys, and I Got some awesome pieces from the NECA booth. Oh, big shout out to Brian Ivanhoe for picking up the Batman versus Predator uh, NECA 2-pack for Rumi.
2: Yeah, I I was going to be there a day later than I wanted to, and I was like, shit, that stuff's going to sell out. Last year, I got the Ninja Turtles from NECA, and they sold out real quick. So I threw a line out to some friends and some people, and Brian Ivanhoe was like, dude, I got you. I'll take care of this. So he... Grab me the figures that I needed. So, Mr. Ivanhoe, Brian, thank you so much, dude. We got something for you. I sent it to him.
1: Oh, you did? Nice. Way to go. Hit us
2: up in the past.
1: (laughs) Future time. So, I, I was going around the con looking for NECA toys, and I bought a NECA jungle predator and a NECA Terminator 2 endoskeleton, and I mashed them together to create a Predinator which, if you don't know what a Predator is, well, I mean, it's pretty self explanatory, but Rumi <laughs> and I came up with the best plot for a Predator movie in our Predator versus Everything episode. So, if you haven't listened to that, check that out to find out how, how awesome a Predator movie would be. But <laughs> I have this Predator, and it's like half of his face is blown off. So, he's got the endoskeleton showing through. Half of his arm is endoskeleton. Half of him's Predator. It's really badass looking. The funniest part, though, is when you strip away like his skin and muscles. He, he gets like a tiny waist. He looks really feminine. He's wearing like his little loincloth, so it looks like a little, little mini skirt. And he's like, Ooh, I'm sexy. Look <laughs> at me. I'm a sexy little predator. Hmm. Where can we
2: see some pictures of this? Is it, oh, is it the, done?
1: Um, no, I still need to paint it. That's going to take the longest time because I am a procrastinator when it comes to painting things because it's messy. So I'm going to buy some paint and slowly paint him. But the, all the assembly, the thing that I'm so happy about, about this construction, when you're cutting apart all these toys and putting them back together, I wanted to keep him articulated. If I had to, like, solder him down and make it not move in just a statue, so be it. But I still wanted it to be a toy. I still wanted to be able to pose him, have the arm move, have the endoskeleton has these awesome piston joints that, like, go in and out of each other. And I wanted to keep those intact, and I was able to do it for the entire piece, and I'm really, really happy with oh, that. Oh, nice. That looks cool. Yeah, yeah. So it's, uh yeah, those pictures are up on... um on Instagram, the process, you'll see me taking it apart, putting it together, and then um, and on our Facebook. And then once I get it painted, I'm going to do some really sweet pro pictures uh, with some special effects and maybe some like CGI. Who knows? it be badass. Ooh, beep,
2: boop, beep, boop.
1: Yeah, mm, get in there. Did you get anything else from the con? Like anything else that
2: you, you got, you bought?
1: Oh, man. I got some more freaking, uh, I got the NECA Batman versus Predator two pack. So I got to give a big shout out to Ryan DeGuard technically my boss, but like he's also a big nerd, collects awesome stuff, has a huge sideshow collection. He hooked me up with the Superman aliens, NECA 2-pack, and the Batman Predator 2-pack as well. So thank you to him. Big shout out to him. I don't know if he listens. He always says, yeah, I'll give it a listen sometime, but now that his name's (laughs) in it, maybe he will. Yeah, big shout out to him. And uh, what else did I pick up? Oh, I found an old NECA New Nightmare Freddy, so the one with the, the coat and the five-finger glove, they haven't released an Ultimate version of him, but they had the original like NECA figure, and I have that. I'm keeping it in package for right now, but it looks so cool. Oh, nice. Yeah, that was a good find. I was pretty proud of that. What about you? What'd you pick up, Rumi? Well, I got my Batman versus Predators, which I'm psyched
2: about, but I got a little dilemma because I got two of them, and I wanted to keep one in case we get it signed and open one and play with them, but one of my Batman's heads is like, Kind of off, and uh, I'm afraid that if I open it, it won't go back on, and then I won't be able to return it. So I wrote Neca; they're just taking their time asking me. I think that's
1: all I got, right? Well, that and like all those pops you got, because we know Matt is a huge <laughs> I pop a collector. <laughs> I think, I, we went to Matt and I. To be fair, Matt and I are not pop collectors. I mean, I own a couple, but you and I are not pop fans. Not, I'm going
2: to get an R5D4 at some point, but I just can't justify the seven dollars right now. I'm not.
1: <laughs> but you could probably justify like the two fifty for the sideshow. RF5 yeah, the sideshow
2: before. one I'll get. Uh, yeah, and oh, that's a good segue into all the cool people we chatted with and did stuff oh, with over the con. Holy shit! We talked to sideshow.
1: I will say we didn't get as many people as we had in the past, but I think our like quality keeps getting like we keep I don't getting know bigger if that's people.
2: True. If you count how many we had last year versus this year,
1: well, we last had year at least
2: ten. Well, last even so. We're interviewing more people like professionals than like, uh, you know, random people walking on the street stuff, which is, I want to get back to that. It's just so, it's so freaking busy. We got to, we got to have like a satellite team that like does other interviews with
1: us. Oh, now you're talking. Hit us up if you want to be a satellite team of the Launchpad podcast. We'll give you equipment.
2: You only (laughs) have to be handsome, funny, good at interviewing and funny. Or at least think you're funny. That's that's the launch pad thing. As long as you think you're funny. And I guess me and Rumi, because Rumi thinks he's funny and I think he's hysterical and I think you think I'm funny. So oh, I think God. like that's what we need.
1: I was talking to Matt the other day and I was like, you know, this guy is interesting, but nobody is as funny or hilarious to listen to as us.
2: <laughs> it's true. And I don't know if it's just like a handsome boy hubris thing, but like. When I'm taking my baths and I want to put on, a, that's what I do is I listen to our <laughs> podcast in the bath. <laughs> that's like the main time I listen to our show. And I never, I not never, but I very rarely listen to like all of our big ass and like not to pat ourselves on the back, but we got some pretty cool people yeah. coming in the podcast. But that's not only <laughs> listen to It. I take a bath. It's just me and you making up Predator movies and making up sequels to things and talking about movies that people have never <coughs> seen before. Like that's that's my bath <laughs> jam right there.
1: Do you like candles? Are you like in the dark? Do you like candles for your Oh, bath?
2: yeah. And I have soft music playing underneath us and everything. It's really <laughs> kind of intimate and romantic. Uh, Do no. you use like a bath <laughs>
1: bomb or their bubbles?
2: I don't want to keep doing so many throwbacks to our episodes if people haven't listened, but if you missed our, our, uh, our walk through the entire Godzilla series, I oh, talked about God. how when I was little, I would bring lobster claws <laughs> and lobster carcasses <laughs> into the bathroom. And when when I was a kid, and I would play with them in the bathtub. So imagine me, thirty seven, handsome and muscular <laughs> and hairy, playing Godzilla verse the sea monster with a dead lobster in my bathtub while listening to our podcast. That is too
1: fucking funny, dude. <laughs> Do you know the lobster's name? Do you remember it? Ibra, Ipira. Yeah, Ibira. good job, okay. dude. Pretty good close. job, man.
2: So real, real quick aside, we went to a, a housewarming the other night and I was like, Amanda, is this shirt fine? The shirt I had on was a t-shirt that had a big picture of Godzilla, uh, of Darth Vader's face on it. It said daddy underneath. And she's like, um, you can wear whatever you want, but I'm going to wear a dress and I think people will be a little dressed up. So I was like, ah, fuck. So I opened up my closet and I was going to just put on a button down. And then I saw my Godzilla creature button down with all the different monsters. And I was like, oh, I'm wearing that. And I was like, well, then I'm already wearing cargo camo Cargo shorts I'm just keeping that on, and I walked into that party, and I remember walking in there was a woman in a white dress who looked beautiful. She walked in before me I was like, Wow, she really dressed up, and I looked down at myself and I was like, I'm fucking awesome and then I walked in there <laughs> <laughs> so many people were like, Oh wait, are those dragons? No, it's godzilla whoa, and then one guy was like, Oh look, there's uh Godora there's Moy they knew like a knew a bunch of them. And I was like, oh, Okay cool, I'll talk to you now for the rest of this party um and then at one point, Amanda was like, wait a minute, you wore cargoes? How did I let you walk out of the house with cargoes? <laughs> not car- not cargoes. It was the fact that they were camouflage. I was like, oh I did God. that on purpose. And That's then she hysterical. goes, why? I was like, nobody will see them. <laughs> so
1: do you, want, do you want a nice fashion tip, man? You want a fashion tip from Rumi? Because I'm so fashionable. You,
2: <laughs> yeah, you are. Is if it, it going to be don't match, don't miss, mix no, no. It's, it's
1: how you can wear exactly what you want, but with two pieces of clothing, you are suddenly ready for any, 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 any fancy party. Yeah, hit me up. If you wore a unconstructed blazer, this is, this is a little uh, nerd eye for the nerd guy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what an unconstructed blazer is.
1: It's like it's, it's like, it's just a blazer, but the unconstructed ones are like looser. They're not as stiff, you know? Okay. So like. A constructed blazer is like, I'm going to work. I work at a bank. I'm a loser. Um <laughs> Sorry, all our listeners
2: who work in banks.
1: <laughs> an unconstructed blazer is like, it doesn't have all that stiffness. So it's like just a nice blazer that's like casual. So suddenly you have dressed up your Godzilla shirt to the nines. And then on your feet, if you wore like some like sockless dress shoes, you would be like with your cargo shorts. Holy shit, dude. People would be like, wow, who's this, like, super fashion forward nerd? They would <laughs> love That's it. That's what they say. <laughs> I don't think I could do shoes with
2: no socks. I don't think I could do any shoes with no socks no, with the exception right? of, like,
1: ugh. No. Everybody ugh. always said, like, fashion shit's always like, wear a nice, like, fucking slipper with no socks. I'm like, have you seen how sweaty my feet get? I would be pouring sweat out of those things. That's a terrible idea.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Ruby's got gigantic ass feet, too.
1: Did I sound like I knew what I was talking about, though?
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's funny because I'm looking <laughs> at you right now and no one else can see the fucking getup you're in right now.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it's like CeeLo Green Grammys mid-2000s when he did it with the uh, Muppets. That's what I'm wearing.
2: Right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> That's pretty much
1: your normal. <laughs> That's pretty much my normal thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it looks like a suit of armor and Big Bird had a baby. <laughs> well, we are, we are really keeping to our topic. We're doing that a lot lately. <laughs> what are we talking about? Fucking CeeLo Group. <laughs> who are some of the people we talked to, man? We did talk to Sideshow. We talked to Dave Igo from Sideshow. That was a great interview. Super funny. That was a lot of fun. We talked to Craig Miller, who was a huge Lucasfilm
2: licensing and publicity guy for the end of Star Wars and the beginning of Empire Strikes Back. He got some amazing, cool stories.
1: Dude, he wrote some of the real Ghostbusters season one, which to me is prime real Ghostbusters. And I was watching this, like, Things You Didn't Know on Sci Fi the other day, and they were talking about the real Ghostbusters, and they name dropped all these writers, and they did not drop Craig Miller, who has an incredible career. So uh, I'm calling out Sci Fi on that one. But yeah, he wrote he some is, of my favorite episodes. He's done
2: so many things. If you got, when you guys oh, hear the episode, God. look him up and see all this stuff. We interviewed Brink Stevens, who is one of the original Scream queens. Like she was one of the ones that they created the term for. She's the heroine in Slumber, the original Slumber Party Massacre, and she's been in a ton of other horror movies. Some very notable and memorable. Some really fun to watch. And uh, <laughs> we, we, she was really cool. She was really fun to talk to. We played a really fun game with her about oh. uh, movies that she either may or may not have been in. We tried to trick her with some fake titles. So. Check that interview out. <laughs> she was a sweetheart too.
1: Diana Schutz, I, I oh. really enjoyed. So, this is an interesting one. So, Diana Schutz was a dark horse editor back in the day when Frank Miller was doing like 300 and stuff. And, and her story is incredible. It's one of those ones like we're doing the interview, and then suddenly she says something that made me completely derail all my questions. I'm like, wait, now all my questions have to go from <laughs> this. And It's like how she met Frank Miller literally just walked up to him outside of a comic shop. Then they became friends for
2: uh, like 15 years. And then they have like after that friendship, then they started working together for another bunch of years. So really, really cool. And she was she was great. And just what a a history and a wealth of of comic book industry, you know, like just really like legacy right there. She was amazing. We talked with Kurt Busick, who wrote Marvel's. You talk with him for a minute. I talked with a couple other artists.
1: We met up with Chris Mowry from Toho. And like, here's the crazy thing. Godzilla made their first appearance at Comic-Con this year. Comic-Con's been going for 50 years. Yeah, it's their 50th anniversary. And Toho shows up for the first time, bringing Godzilla, bringing all these props. And Matt was like, got to get an interview. So I kept hitting them up, kept hitting him up. And they're like, sure, we'll do an interview. And Matt was like, with who? And they're like, mm, don't know. This what whole time, you know? this contact at Toho
2: was so cool. And they were very excited to have us but they weren't sure who we'd be talking with. And Aaron and I like when we do our own silly stuff, we prep our own stuff separately and then goof around. But like when we meet with somebody, we do a lot of research. We know a lot about them, we know a lot about what they've done. So when you're flying blind like that, you literally have no idea who you're going to speak with. You just got to hope. And my my biggest fear and Rumi knows this was not that we wouldn't know what to talk about with the person, but that it would be someone our age who's never really seen or worked well Who's never really worked on a Godzilla and was just like, you know, a suit.
1: Yeah. And the funniest thing is I go, man, I hope it's not a suit. And literally this guy starts walking over and he's dressed to the nines in a suit. And I'm like, oh, no. But and he was he was so cool, dude.
2: He, he was, I would say, at least if not bigger fans of Godzilla than we are. And he threw down some stuff. So oh, you yeah. got to check that huge collection. Out. He had oh, a huge private amazing. collection yeah, of Godzilla we we're talking, 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 then we kind of just got derailed when he started showing us and telling us Ugh. about all these stuff that he has. So it, it's really funny. He And he was he was a good guy to talk to. We took it some fun so stuff. It was so funny. We'll, we'll, we'll show some funny pictures of what we did with him.
1: It was so funny because it was like the equivalent of like a guy in a trench coat coming up and be like, hey you want to see something cool he just like whips out his phone slyly and is like check this out and we're like oh oh losing our minds it's terrible radio it's terrible podcasting (laughs) we kept
2: talking about that but yeah we'll 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 make it presentable for you guys and i guarantee that you guys will crack up you'll have a fun time with that (laughs) we're gonna release these interviews bits and pieces as we go along it's not necessarily going to be in a chunk like we've done previously Who is going to be the first one that we drop? Well,
1: the first one that we drop is going to be... I mean, we love working with these guys. We love interviewing them. But it is Kevin Eastman, co-creator of the Ninja Turtles, David Avalone, and Ben Bishop, who together create this awesome new comic called Drawing Blood. But we went to their panel, checked them out, got to interview them afterwards. They are just a great team. It's like a dream team coming together to make a really cool piece. And we've talked about drawing blood in the past. They had a super successful Kickstarter to get season one off the ground. I don't know. It's a very interesting comic book. It's hard to describe, but it's semi-autobiographical of Mm -hmm. Kevin Eastman, but very loose, very loose. But it's about an artist who created a huge property that became very popular, and he has kind of fallen out of the limelight and fallen on hard times if that sounds very familiar it's because it's supposed to but at the same time the comic book lives in fantasy and does really crazy dream sequences really cool stuff with the story and taking the liberties it can with not being actually an autobiography and uh they they had an incredible first run with it it was really cool but they're kickstarting off their second run raising money for the second the second run of drawing blood the kickstarter dropped this week so uh when you're listening well when you're listening to this now it it dropped last week. They're still running with it. We're running till the end of the month. Go check that out if you can. It's Kevin Eastman's Drawing Blood, Volume 2. They started it last
2: week. They are within days. They were already halfway to their goal. And Rumi and I have read Volume 1. And I got to tell you, it is a great ride. It really, really is. And David Avalone was cool enough to hook us up with a copy. And uh, because we're no longer actual Rumi's, Rumi read it first and he's like dude he gave it to me a couple of days later he was like dude i sat down to read it and i just did the whole thing in one one it was a trade he did the whole thing on one one bit he's like it just i couldn't put it down and he gave it to me and i had the same thing it was like i had 10 minutes and i was like okay i can squeeze 10 minutes in. i'll read like one issue's worth and like you know 45 minutes later i'd finish the whole book and it was really good the art is great ben bishop uh does most of the art chores on there there's some flashbacks and some dream sequences that other artists do uh, David Avalone, the writing for, for writing Kevin Eastman's, you know, alleged, alleged supposedly kind of mostly Kevin Eastman's story. It's really, really fun. Go check out the Kickstarter. Go support those guys. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, it is worth getting the books from the Kickstarter. They usually do some pretty cool incentives, too. So check it out. Kevin Eastman's Drawing Blood, Volume 2.
1: Yeah, and that's going to be the first interview that we drop. The panel we went to was really fascinating because it was their retrospective of uh Kevin Eastman and Ninja Turtles attending Comic-Cons. And it showed like the first time they went to a Comic-Con with a tiny little like it was literally like a ta- like a cafeteria table in a tiny like hallway and them just drawing pictures and signing things. And now it's like seeing the development of that. He had an amazing presentation of all these old pictures of Basically creating the Ninja, Ninja Turtles. There was a painting that he did in his old cafeteria of all the great Renaissance masters, which is the inspiration for where the Ninja Turtles names came from. I had never known that. And I thought that was no, incredible he says to see. It's still
2: there. It's still up in his high school, uh, that mural he painted on the wall.
1: And to find out that, uh, was it Donatello was almost Bernini?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: How cool is that? I, that blew my mind, because I was like, well, you know, there's all these masters, other Renaissance masters. Who? Why did you pick one over the other? <laughs> like, to find out that, that Donatello was almost Bernini was pretty interesting. But yeah, we got to interview them right after their panel. Actually, do you want to throw this right now? Sure, let's do it. Throw it to it. All right. This is Kevin Eastman, David Aniloni, and Ben Bishop. Heck, heck, heck. All right. Launchpad podcast here at San Diego Comic-Con 2019. We have... Comic book royalty in the house with Kevin Eastman and the Drawing Blood team of David Avaloni and artist Ben Bishop. You guys are amazing. Uh, first of all, big congratulations on Drawing Blood. The first book was incredible. Like, we got Thank we got a chance to read it and it was impeccable.
4: Thank you so much. Uh, real quick, we
2: got Kevin. What is it like to read what is a semi-biographical or autobiographical piece? It's kind of like you in an, an alternate dimension, an alternate version of you
3: reading kind of an alternate... St- history of yourself. What is that like, reading that? Well, the, the good part is I get to work with this awesome guy next to me, David Avaloni, and what we did was um, we sort of took a lot of the threads and the things that I developed as an early concept. Some of it was autobiographical, semi-autobiographical. Plus, I uh, started building a lot of anecdotes on stuff I'd heard and it, it, stuff uh, of, of things that happened to Steve Bessette or Frank Miller, or, you know, just anecdotes and stories. So I sort of started meshing those in. And then when David and I sort of fully mind-melted on the idea, he brought in so many similar anecdotes of his experience with comics, um, people, uh, movie people, Hollywood oh. people. And so it became sort of something we said, well, we can base it on this, but we've created this whole new yeah. character to really go in and twist and have fun with.
0: When Kevin and I met, the night we met, we mostly just sat around like you do when you meet someone who's been in show business for a while, telling show business stories to one another. And so that's really what drawing blood comes out of is me and Kevin sitting around telling show business war stories about each other. And any show, as he was basically saying, any show business war story about anyone can become a thing that happened to Shane Bookman. Yeah. That's even, super fun, especially
3: yeah. if you had a few beers. It gets even better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're,
1: you're, when you're developing the next musical I mean, for uh, Metropolis. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: Ke- well, as an example, Kevin's never been in a gunfight, but I was up to direct a movie once with Korean financing, and the producers vanished overnight. And <laughs> when I ran into one of them a year later, he said, "Oh, the uh, the Korean producer was assassinated, shot in the head in front of me the night after we met with you." Oh, <laughs> what? what? So for me, that's like. That's why I don't have trouble writing Lithuanian gangsters brandishing guns and, you know. As
2: far as writing goes, what is it like to write essentially what is kind of someone else's story, even if it's, it's a fictionalized version of that?
0: It is tricky. There's there's stuff in some of the issues. There's a scene in issue four where he meets a young comic book creator named Amanda Cavalina, and she basically calls him a sellout and a sure. loser. <laughs> and he does this speech about how, you know, I wanted to help out people who had artistic ideas. And now I'm kind of just a halfway house for middle-aged losers who did their best work 30 years ago. And when I sent that into Kevin, I was like, this could hurt his feelings if he takes this too much to (laughs) heart. But he loved it. And he
4: said, I've had that conversation with people. So that made me very happy.
1: You're like, hey, remember this isn't autobiographical. <laughs> right. This is me, Shane
4: Bookman. For me, when I get the scripts, it's amazing because I was born in 86. So I'm the biggest Eastman Turtle yeah. fan on earth. Uh, and so when I get the scripts, I'm like, whoa, is that real? Is this like my seeing like behind the curtain? Oh, my God, I can't believe I'm going to draw this. And people are going to be like, whoa. And then the next page, he's on the edge of a building with a gun to his head. And I'm like, oh, no, you don't know what's real. It's drawing blood. <laughs> right. It's a mix of both. It's a right. mix of David.
1: So, Ben, for you, wh- what were you doing when suddenly you get the call? Hey, was we nuts. want you to come do this. What you I was were you drinking. Doing at the time? <laughs> <laughs> and so
4: I was drinking. I just had like a, a mediocre Heroes Con in North Carolina. And people are like, when are you going to get to do Turtles? When are you going to get to Turtles? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. They won't let me do it. And then later that night, I'm having a drink. And I get an email from Kevin. It's like, hey, Ben, it's uh, Kevin Eastman. I don't know if you know me. And he's like, uh, he's like, what are you doing for the next year? I got a project I think you'd be perfect for. And then he gave me his number. And he was like, call me whenever you want. So I'm sitting with my friends, and I'm like, hey, guys, I uh, just got an email from Eastman. And they're like, get the hell outside. And so I called him, and we talked for a few hours about the book. And, and I kept saying yes. And he's like, well, wait till you read it. I said, no, I'll do it. And he said, like, no, yeah. well, wait till you read it. And I said, it sounds awesome. I'm in. Yeah, well, And
0: the, and the back story to that is Kevin and I were sitting in his dining room in San Diego talking about who's going to draw this thing. Uh, we knew Kevin was going to do the flashback scenes. We knew there were going to be fantasy scenes. But someone had to draw the bulk of the book, and he was doing a blurb, I think. Yeah, for I'd Ben's asked, book, asked The Aggregate. Him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so he uh, had it. He had it and he handed it to me and he said, look at how good this guy is and how he can handle emotion and acting. And I was like, send him a note right now. Let's get this That's crazy. started. <laughs> we did. Yeah.
2: The st- your, actually, well, there's a yeah. lot of different styles of, of visual art in the book, but yeah. your style is the main, the main right, ship right, style right. throughout yeah, the book. The, it I'm really the, works for that I'm story. i like the
4: normal mainstream story. And then there's flashbacks, which are done by Kevin, and hallucination scenes kind of where – Shane is tormented by his own creations and those are done by the awesome Troy just, little It's so and, fun to just yeah. weave your way yeah. through yeah, that. But
3: Ben's still doing the main penciling and even like the flashbacks. Yeah. So I like the, the consistency in his style. Cause he still can yeah. have yeah. the, 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 the characters. The of yeah. so ben, I does, just, so. ben
0: does all the layouts yeah. regardless you know. of who does the finishes. Well, yeah. So we just got out of this
1: incredible panel where, uh, Kevin, you shared a bunch of really cool photos from like back in the day showing you yes. and Peter putting these all together. And you said like a big inspiration was Bruce Lee films. Yeah. What were you watching at the time? What, what <laughs> was your your martial arts inspiration?
3: Well, it was, you know, um, for a while, you know, I grew up in a very small town of Maine. So, and there was a, you know, you had to go like a hundred miles by wagon to a theater. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, it was like, so, um, you know, occasionally different movies would roll through and it's like, um, but when we finally got cable into our neighborhood on Saturdays, they would run on all on the Saturdays they would run monster movies like uh, Godzilla movies and things like that on one Saturday as a matinee and then the next Saturday they would run they called the chop Socky theater I'm sure that's offensive <laughs> that is worth so the wagon ways. ride though for sure um, <laughs> I would take a, I would take the wagon ride for those <laughs> Exactly. and so um so we go in and watch these things all day. so they they'd show Bruce Lee to bring people in and then they show a backup feature of something else that nobody had heard of but I was just fascinated by these and that was really um uh, that was it, and but Bruce Lee, by far, was the guy. He was the coolie. And in fact, you know, the first drawing with Michelangelo, why I had uh, had nunchucks was because of that famous Bruce Lee scene. You know, whoa <laughs> with the nunchucks. Is that, is that Enter the Dragon? <laughs> yeah, which yeah. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. And it was like yeah. goosebumps just thinking about it. Yeah. Um, awesome. So yeah. that was so that literally that was. The, it's the funny thing.
0: that you say because I'm thinking you were talking about Godzilla movies where the alternate. It's like that's it's Godzilla with nunchucks is. the, <laughs> <Yeah>. nunchucks, is, <laughs> yeah. is, is the I would read draw. that Like too. you compress yeah. the two. Green dude, doing you kind of subconsciously, both of the matinees became one thing. So totally.
3: What is funny years later is um, after the turtles became popular, uh, you know, Gamera, the turtle of that was <laughs> putting his legs in and sh- rockets would shoot out and it'd spin across sure. the sky. When they, uh, when they, what they is would, he eating?
0: They, <laughs> that's the question. Yeah. <laughs> when,
3: they, when they were they were doing a promo for a new for not it wasn't even new a rerunning uh, Gamera theme movie weekend, they would quote it as the original. The original Mutant turtle.
4: turtle. Ah, oh, and oh, and right. Right. But he was an he alien. He was an alien. Yeah. an alien. That's a really good point. Okay. That note, made, that we do have to do uh, Godzilla with nunchucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Now that we've
4: talked about it. I
1: think I had that turtle toy that had rockets for legs.
4: <laughs> Probably. <laughs> yeah.
1: Keeping it with kung
2: fu and movies and whatnot, let me go down the line. What is your, your go-to martial arts kung fu movie? Or it doesn't have to be a bit from any medium.
3: Uh, Jet Li, Fist of Legend. Really? Yeah. Okay. I thought, I thought you were going to go right. with a Bruce Lee. All right. Adjust. No, there was, you know, and I say when I go to that because it was really um, all the Bruce Lee ones are are it and it and it. When Jet Li came in, um, Fist of Legend is Jet Li's love poem to Bruce Lee and mm-hmm. Bruce Lee movies, and it's like yeah. so um, so. And what Jet Li does in Fist of Legend, he each sequence in the movie he meets a more complicated, more right, intense right, right. thing. So right. that was you know art, up kind of right. up kind of stuff. And so I've right. watched that movie a million times, and I can watch it a million more because it was it was a brilliant film.
0: Nice. I, uh, I directed a
3: $15,000 oh,
0: <laughs> kickboxing movie called Kick of Death. <laughs> and it would be bad for me to say that's my favorite martial arts movie, but there you are.
4: Uh, I, it's I, my
0: new favorite. I'm more, more. Uh, I'm more, I would say, The Seven Samurai. I mean, that's, not, right. that's a different martial art, but sure. I'm more of a Kurosawa guy than Bruce. I love the Bruce Lee movies. They're fun. But I, I, I lean a little bit more for the more epic,
4: crazy, you know, black, right. black and white, you know, stuff. Okay. This ben. is this is not exactly on model, but I got to go blood sport. Uh, Frank Dukes. I was drawing my first book over the four years that it took. We would draw all day, all day, all day. And we'd try, I was, lived with another artist and we would try and outdraw each other and no one would go to sleep. We'd finally just about every night go to bed at like 3.34 in the morning. We'd throw on Bloodsport. sport. We wouldn't make it past the opening <laughs> credits, short. which was awesome. That's and we awesome, fall asleep man. and we do that every day. And that VHS like bore a hole in itself. It was amazing.
2: All right. Man. So if we yeah. go now across the street to Petco Park, they're having ninja tryouts, and we're what? all going to do
4: it. Are you going to make the cut, each of you? You're going to make the ninja cut. Do You think you'd
3: do it? I'm going to make it as one of the things they have to jump over. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're That's an bad.
0: obstacle on the course. I'm going to be an obstacle. <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, yeah, David, you'll be jumping no, over Kevin. Then, no, I don't think I'll be doing much jumping. The thought of I jumping. I can barely
4: stand up straight right now. <laughs> the thought of jumping, and I'm only 33. Just scares yeah, the hell out a of me. just a sneaking type of ninja, and maybe no. not like the most? I could fall <laughs> down pretty good. Yeah, I, So I you're, a, take you're a in, hit. The, in the front. Yeah. Okay, and This
0: is the most New Jersey thing I will ever say, but I always used to say, I know Italian martial arts, Two in the back of the head. Oh <laughs>
2: shit! Uh, David just gestured at my chest with a finger gun. And that's yeah. why <laughs> he
4: writes Drawing Blood? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
2: gentlemen, thank you so much for taking a couple minutes. Oh, thank and we want to thank you guys. We talked to you last year about Drawing Blood, and I don't know if you did it on purpose because we're so handsome, but there's a picture of us talking with oh, yeah. you guys in, in the, the back book. of the train. which is really, really cool. We, we didn't know that. Actually, David hooked us up with a copy and we flipped through. We yes. were like, oh, look at that. So. I'm Famous. sure S- sales have skyrocketed because oh, yeah. of these two handsome. have got to take <get> another,
1: <laughs> another picture, that picture if you want. If yeah, you absolutely. want volume oh, two, absolutely. we'll get another picture. Room. Absolutely. And but let it. us know when uh, when is the next Kickstarter starting? When yeah. can we promote that? Thank and uh, when is book two starting uh, to to get all the promotions? August
0: first is the beginning of the Kickstarter. Okay. It'll go to September first. Great. Yep. Uh, the fans from the Kickstarter will get the yeah. digital copy on September first. Fantastic. Yep.
1: You August first, five. So how far are you in right now, drawing?
4: Oh, uh, uh, the first issue, issue five, essentially, chapter one of volume wow. 2 is essentially ready to be final lines and then passed off to color. And drawing and Kevin have their duties and yeah. pretty close. Well, yeah,
1: Kevin, thank you for sharing all these stories and getting Drawing Blood off the ground with these two uh, very talented gentlemen. Seriously, when thank when you, we sir. get books from people that we interview, we go, OK, we'll give it a shot. And you read it and, you know, sometimes it's good. But this was phenomenal. Thank you. Drawing thank Blood you. is and, and to a lot of people who are like, ah, a, you know, a book that isn't about superheroes, you're like, no, it yeah. has so many great fantasy elements Thank you. in the dream sequence, in the hallucinations. Yeah. It's so well written and such a good character and so much fun. And I was literally read it all in one sitting while I was at uh, wine country, I mean, taking a little vacation. I did too. It yeah. Was it was like, just I like, you couldn't put like, it down cool. and you're like, this is incredible. I'm you telling even, my wife, you got to yeah. read this. You got to read this.
4: Thank you. Yeah. Thank, Thank you guys. very much. Thank much you great so, great so, great so much. thanks so much you guys again. We're going to do it again
3: next year yeah every, every year yeah, we'll yeah, nice. yeah.
2: excellent <laughs> thank that, you have a great con we got Lunchpad podcast we are at comic con 2019
1: those guys are super fun um, I, I, something that blew my mind is when I'm reading when we read the trade of drawing blood volume one and I get to the last page and it was like them thanking everybody who helped them kickstart it and you know all that stuff and there's a picture of Rumi and I interviewing them at the first comic con I went to and that was so cool
2: yeah, they're definitely not um, thanking us, but uh, there's a bunch of pictures of them throughout the process of making drawing blood, drawing, drawing blood, writing, and, and some of the press that they've done. And there's a picture of us standing with our microphone. So if you guys, any of you guys have backed it and any of you guys have that trait or have those issues, check out that picture of handsome boys interviewing those guys. And you know, they're great to interview. If you guys have ever seen Kevin Eastman at a con, he is one of the most humble, chill guys. I mean just tripping over himself to try to sign every in- every autograph that is asked of him and stuff. He's just so friggin' polite. And I got to give a shout out to his wife Courtney Eastman as well. She is the same way. But the guys, there's always like, you know, Ben, David and and Kevin, there's always a million people swarming around them, but they are so good. They're fun to talk to. I mean, you guys heard about kung fu and ninja camps and stuff. They're always always fun to talk to.
1: Something that I thought was really cool is how loyal the fan base is and like even though there's some you know there's always going to be ninja turtle fans ninja turtles was so integral to a lot of our childhoods and such a big property but they had some fans that were like geeking out over their new stuff and this one guy had skateboards that he had broken skating like a like a mofo and painted the new radically rearranged ronin ragdolls onto the Broken skateboards. It was a pretty yeah. cool
2: piece. Those are pretty. Were, neat. And it was like, you, I, I'm not really an artist, but I could tell that that kid spent a ton of time on each board. Yeah. And there were multiple boards.
1: That was a really cool thing. I, I don't think we got pictures of those. We should have, but oh well. <laughs> there are. If you look at, I know if you look at Kevin
2: Eastman's, um, Facebook, there's a bunch of pictures on there oh, from yeah. the day of. Yeah, the Yeah, his
1: Instagram too. That's true. Okay, cool, man. Um, but yeah, we're gonna be releasing a ton of these things, these interviews, just like this, over the next few weeks. We got some other fun interviews coming up. We next week we're doing our second part of our "The Kids Are All Right" series, where man, I talk about all those movies that fuck kids up. That was <laughs> super fun to record, man. I was cracking up editing it. Uh, the first. Part of that series is out now, super fun, uh, really hysterical, and the second part will be next week. What else from the con, Rumi? Were there any other moments that were fucking awesome?
2: Yeah, we hosted the Famous Monsters of Filmland panel. That was super fun. We talked oh about God. Godzilla. It was a big audience and a lot of audience participation. We were making stupid, jo- <laughs> stupid jokes like crazy, and a lot of people were laughing, so obviously we were egged on. But like people were yelling, some women were yelling about how hard they supported Mothra. Oh Um, yeah, our
1: queen, Queen Mothra. Hell yeah! Yeah. Shout out to those people. I mean, I love. I mean, big shout out to Famous Monsters of Filmland. Thank you so much for letting us do this. Um, Matt and I it was always a dream to do a panel, and the fact that you let us come and host your panel is just incredible. And it's so much fun, and kind of kind of crazy too, because like you never like you have to keep track of time. So precisely, and Matt and I have like a little stopwatch on my phone going, and we're just trying like to keep the conversation going, make sure everybody gets to talk a little bit. But it is so much fun when you're up there; it is really quite a rush.
2: This year, I think was even more fun than last year. I think we we kind of we knew what to expect. We knew we this year we were talking about Godzilla and stuff that we knew and stuff that you know horror. We talked about Hammer horror. Like Rumi said, that's the easier stuff. The hard stuff is managing the time because you got to watch you got 45 to 50 minutes and you also have i think this year we had six or seven panelists and you don't we don't we don't really like script that stuff out so you have no idea if panelist number 1 is going to talk for 4 minutes or 3 minutes or 5 minutes or 10 minutes so you kind of got to like work with that so it's pretty interesting <laughs> pretty fun we had a good one this year we we had a good time we had a, we, we liked it a lot so hopefully we hook up with those guys again next year
1: yeah, that would be super fun. Thanks again, guys. Thanks again, Famous Monsters of Filmland and American Gothic Press. Guys, check out the American Gothic Press for some awesome comic books, really cool stuff like Monster World and uh, some stuff from Cullen Bunn coming out. Um, there's It was really a good time. And it was good because they were all super passionate about what they, what they write about so that they gave good answers. Every now and then you'll go to a panel and somebody will ask a guy like, uh, do you like writing comic books? And the guy will be like, yeah. You're like, okay. <laughs> like, so I was really happy that everybody was really into the questions and everybody had fun stuff to say.
2: Yeah, it was a good panel. We'll have, uh, we usually get a video link of that. If we do, if it's something that is on YouTube or whatever, we'll put it up there for those of you guys who aren't able to come to the con.
1: I'm going to give a shout out to Holly Interlandy. Uh, she was the editor in chief at Famous Monsters of Filmland. She. You know, really sets up a lot of stuff for them. But she was also the host of the Kevin Eastman Ninja Turtle panel, drawing yeah, blood I guess Ninja she Turtle met panel him a
2: long time ago, and became friends with him. And she got a cute story.
1: Yeah. So big shout out to her. You know, getting 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 to host a, another panel that was cool. She did a great job. So guys, let us know how your con went. Did you go down to the comic con, or did you just watch us on our social media? Let us know. Let us know what you liked. Let us know what you want to see. What do you want to see more of? Should we take more toy pictures? Should we go do more cosplay stuff? Let us know on our social media at Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, at Pod and our website, LaunchpadPod.com. Ooh, on the way home, roomie. Dude, I sat down on this plane, and these two kids sat next to me, these younger guys, college-age kids. They're like, hey, can you trade uh, seats with our friend? He's over there. And I was like, where is he? And they're like, middle seat. And I was like, ooh, sorry, buddy. No way. <laughs> but... I felt bad about that, but these guys were super cool. This guy named Fonda and his buddy, um, they, we talked for like the entire flight. We just nerded out. They had Comic-Con. They had just come from the con. They got like Hideo Kojima to sign his, uh, his Metal Gear Solid record. We talked about video games. We talked about the con. We talked about comic books. We convinced this one kid that he has to read Watchmen. He had never read Watchmen before, and it was like, dude, dude, you got to, or I'm going to take your nerd card away. We had a great time. They hit us up recently on social media. They're listening to our stuff. So big shout out to Fonda. And thank you so much for being cool and uh, yeah, making a four-hour plane ride super bearable and super fun.
2: <laughs> yeah. First of all, those two guys are cool. The third guy is like, what a bunch of dicks. I had a whole fucking nerd <laughs> conversation and I wasn't there. And if you listen to their their podcast right now, they're like, Uh, Shout out to that asshole who wouldn't change his seat, uh, and we couldn't sit with our friend. It was his birthday and his first time at the con, and he had to sit in the middle seat with some fat people that guy's a dick and we kept trying to read our books and go to sleep (laughs) that one kid's like I kept trying to read Watchmen and this guy was telling me about how much I needed to read Watchmen I was like I'm fucking
1: trying man (laughs) Uh, oh no dude afterwards like uh, (laughs) I went and met the guy who I left in the middle seat and they're like oh he's a this is Aaron he's got a podcast he does and the kid was like yeah I know I heard yeah I know yeah I heard (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Eric, he's really
2: cool. And the kid was like, yeah, not that cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny oh, that you man. bring up Watchmen because Mike and I, while well, well, we were walking the floor, because Mike and I were walking the Comic-Con floor at one, one point, and there were some pages, Batman pages, that were harkening back to Batman Year 2, which is an Alan Davis story. If you've never read that, I think it's super worth the read. I think it gets very rushed the last issue. It's like a four or five, I think it's four-issue arc. It's a great Batman story, I think. And it was a lot of fun. Nothing groundbreaking. We're looking at these pages that are not from the actual book. They're like um, like flashbacks to it. And I was telling Mike, oh, you should read that story. And the, the big, fat, nerdy guy who owned the booth goes, oh, yeah, I like that story. I think it's much better than year one. And I was like, yeah, I actually think I agree because I'm not a huge fan of year one. I like certain parts of it. But then he starts smashing year one. And then he goes... I don't like Dark Knight Returns either. And we were like, well, I mean, and he's like, no, it really, the art is terrible. The writing is super heavy handed. And they're like, I know that there are people who don't think Dark Knight Returns is as good as it's touted. And I get that. I happen to think it is every bit as good as it is. But this guy starts being like, it wasn't this. It didn't do this. You're like, dude, are you fucking kidding me? Then he goes, Killing Joke was terrible too it's not my batman that's not my joker i can't imagine he's like that last scene where batman would laugh with him that would never happen which i agree with but the rest of the book i think is amazing and i think that's a good story and that's an interesting ending then he goes on and goes i don't like watchmen either i thought it was boring i thought it was way too I'm like are what? you fucking what? kidding
1: me take his nerd card away grab his comic con pass and toss it like okay look that's not fair people can like what they want and not like but like you literally are just Just bashing on like staples of comic books.
2: I kind of got the feeling from him that he was one of those people who's like counter to be counter. He's like, I don't like that because everyone else likes it. And you're like, well, I understand not wanting to like something because everyone likes it. But when everyone likes it because it's fucking great, you at least have to give it the credit that it's due, right? And this guy was just (sighs) like shitting on this and shitting on this and shitting on this. You're like, you're telling me that there was nothing good in Watchmen? Like, are you serious?
1: Uh, uh, I'm like, my jaw, the whole time you said this, my jaw's <laughs> yeah, been on Ruby's the floor. Gotta, he's got a look of disgust on his face. Like, okay, Dark Knight Returns is pr- probably, uh, okay, here's a good example. I will, here's a, uh, we're getting <laughs> off on a tangent here. <sighs> All right, separate episode, man. Okay, we got we're going to have to do an episode. We are going to have to do an episode of why Dark Knight Returns, Watchmen and like some of these other issues why they're important. There's a reason they're important and there there may be a reason that somebody says, "Well, Dark Knight changed the comic from like the fun comics that it was before and made it edgy." But like that's the reason we have gritty reboots is because of the Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. Like that is the reason the gritty reboot exists that'd be a good a good idea for an episode would be
2: things that change like things that changed the like things that are loved do you love it too and was it like even if you don't like it do you understand its importance
1: aliens changed what that franchise was it was gothic horror then it became military uh psycho horror shooter which is super fun too but like again all these things, but like Watchmen, seminal pieces. Wow. Okay. I'm glad I wasn't there because I would have been like, uh. Mike. And I, yeah, since Comic-Con,
2: Mike and I keep texting each other being like, I hate Watchmen. I hate Dark Knight Returns. I hate this.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Horrible. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening. Tune in next week for our second part of Killer Kids and keep your ear to the ground for all of our San Diego Comic-Con content coming to you soon. All right. Thanks a lot. Until next time, we are the Rocketeers. Rumi, let's blast this thing off. And we are
0: out. Mission sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, four. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff.